Well, hey, good morning, River Glen. Great to see you. Great to be with you guys this morning. Welcome to everybody who is here in the room here in Waukesha. Uh, big welcome to everyone who's watching online, including my buddy from California. Uh, welcome to everyone who's listening to our podcast. And of course, a great, great, great big welcome to all my friends over in Pewaukee this morning. Hope you guys are having a great weekend. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Jason, and I get the incredible privilege to serve as the pastor of our campus over in Pewaukee. And I get asked from time to time, hey, how's things going over there? What's, what's happening over in Pewaukee? And so I love that question because it gives me a chance to kind of brag on all the things that God is up to over on our side of town. And since they gave me a microphone this week, I thought I'd update you. Here's what's happening over in Pewaukee. Just recently, we were able to take not one, but two truckloads full of breakfast cereal over to the UWM food pantry and uh, serve the students that attend school there. Uh, many of you uh, uh, participated in that and contributed to that. Thank you for that. I can promise you that they were beyond grateful for that donation. There's a lot of Cocoa Pebbles right there, I'm telling you. Uh, as far as growth goes, I'm very excited to say that in the last three months, our adult attendance in Pewaukee is 30% up over last year. Our kids' attendance is 50% up over last year. So thank you to everyone who continues to invite your ones uh, to come and check out our church. And thank you to everybody who serves on a team for making our campuses a place where every guest feels welcomed and valued. Thank you for that. Uh, right now, we are working on building a team of people who want to help provide a warm meal once a week to the single moms and their kids who are currently living at the Juno House. If you're not familiar, the Juno House is part of the, the Hebron Housing Project or, or, or organization that's a collection of homeless shelters in Waukesha, and we want to give them a hot meal once a week. So if you'd like to participate on that team, we'd love to have you. Grab one of the connection cards in the seat back in front of you, jot a note on there, and stick it in the offering box, and either me or someone from my team will uh, be delighted to reach out to you about that. So I guess the short answer is, Things are going pretty well over in Pewaukee. Would you join me in giving God a huge hand for everything he's doing? Thank you, Lord. Well, if you are new to faith or if you're new to River Glen, I just want to say an extra special welcome to you. Thank you so much for being here today. Really do hope you enjoy our service. We are in a message series right now called Detours. And I think generally speaking, we all kind of know what a detour is, right? We see the signs everywhere. Uh, it was once said, and I think rightfully so, that Wisconsin really only has two seasons, winter and construction. I feel like that's more true now this year than any year that we've lived here. Good grief. But biblically speaking, biblically speaking in this series, here's how we're defining a detour. A detour is a change in our plans God uses. We're going to talk a lot about this word uses today. A change in our plans God uses to develop our character and competency so we can arrive at a better destination. Now, here's why this is so important for every single one of us. Because every single one of us in here and watching online and over in Pewaukee are going to face detours. It's just, it's a fact of life. It's inevitable. Doesn't matter who you are, right? You could be a boomer, an Xer, a millennial, a Gen Z, or anywhere in between. We're all going to face a detour or at least more than one. And so every one of us in here is either just coming out of one, right? Some of us right now are suffering in a detour. And unfortunately, some of you got one coming. Real positive, uplifting message this morning, right? <laughs> so the question is not if we're going to experience detours. The question we're trying to answer in this series is how can we best navigate the detours that come our way? And we're doing this by studying the life of a historical figure from the Old Testament named Joseph. 
Now, Joseph must have been a big deal, and his life must have been significant because he actually gets more attention in the Old Testament than anybody else, even more than Moses. The book of Genesis has 13 chapters dedicated to the life and detours of this young man. And this morning, we're going to read all of them. So if we just want to step in and... uh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We're actually just going to look at one verse today. Of all the 13 chapters, we're going to zoom in and double-click on just one verse in Joseph's story. And I think what's most interesting about his story is that no matter what detours Joseph faced, and he faced quite a few of them, he somehow always ended up better on the other side of them. And I believe that this one verse we're going to look at today is the key to how he did that. And I also believe this one verse can be the key to how you and I can do the very same thing, to actually come out better on the other side of our detours. And so we're going to dive in. If you brought your Bible with you or your Fible, have you heard about this? A Fible? I just heard this last week. This is fascinating. What is a Fible? Well, it's the Bible on your phone. It's your phone Bible. Isn't that great? I don't know. I just thought that was cute. Whatever Bible you brought with you today, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 39. If you just want to stick your thumb in there, we're going to come back to that. Let's take a look at our friend Joseph. Joseph's life started off, like a lot of people's lives, with a dream. Unfortunately for Joseph, his dream wasn't a very popular dream. (laughs) Kind of got him in trouble. I'll give you a little bit of context. Joseph was just 17 years old when he stepped onto the pages of history. And he was one of 12 brothers. And that's important because these 12 brothers ultimately became the 12 tribes of Israel. It's an important historical fact and kind of the grand story of our faith. But what we also know about Joseph is that of these 12 brothers, he was daddy's favorite. Scripture talks in detail about how his father loved him more than any of the other brothers, and he wasn't even ashamed of it. He gave him more attention. He gave him better gifts. He was the favored son, and as you can imagine, the rest of his brothers didn't really appreciate that. They resented him quite a bit. Well, that only makes matters worse because he has this dream one night. He's he's sound asleep. He gets this vision that one day, sometime in the future, he's going to be a really big deal. And these brothers who resented him and who've picked on him his whole life would actually bow down before him. That's what he sees in this dream. And he doesn't stop there. He even throws mom and dad in there too, just for fun. So in his dream, he sees his whole family bowing down before him. Now, a little side note, just a little free piece of pastoral advice. If you have a dream like that, just keep it to yourself. Not going to do anybody any good. You just hang on to that one. Don't post it. It'll just be between you and God. But this part of the story really does bring up an interesting question. What was your dream? Because we all had one, right? What was your dream growing up? Think back to when when you were a young man or a young woman. If someone were to ask you, hey, what are you going to be when you grow up? What was your answer to that question? For me, it's real easy. If you'd asked me in my younger years, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have said real quick, I want to join a band, get tattooed, and tour the world. My destiny was to be a rock star. It's going to happen, I'm telling you. Now, Ben shared a picture from his early years, uh, the first week of this series, so I thought I'd do the same. There we are in all of our glory. That is my old band. You should be laughing, yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, we, 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 we made records, and we played shows, and we really were going to rock the world. And now I work at a church in Wisconsin. <laughs> Apparently, sometimes God's got other plans, doesn't he? And we are so grateful that he, that he did. We are so thrilled to be here and be a part of what God's doing here in southeast Wisconsin. But as we grow up, sometimes our dreams grow up too. And so now I want to ask you, what are you dreaming about today? 
But I ask you a little bit differently, what are you praying for? What are you working towards? What are you building up? What are you aiming at? What are the things that have got you excited right now? I think if we were, if we were all to gather in a room over a cup of coffee and kind of share our ideas, we'd probably hear a lot of the same things, right? Probably a lot of people would say, I'm just, I just want to really focus on being a better parent or maybe a better husband or wife. Maybe some of us would say, I'm just really trying to be a better follower of Jesus and grow in my faith or, or be a better neighbor like we talked about in the, in the Blessed series a couple weeks ago. Maybe some of you are talking about you want to start a business or finally get on top of your finances. Maybe some of us would say, we're just trying to focus on having healthy relationships or maybe a, a healthy body. I know I'm in that, in that camp. But I know one thing we probably all share in common that we really want is we all really just want to make a meaningful contribution to our, our families, our community, our church, just leave, to leave our little corner of the world a little bit better than it was when we found it. And those are great. Those are all great dreams. But here's the problem. Whether you're pursuing a dream or just living your life, eventually you're going to hit a detour. Right? Detours are inevitable. I love the way the Navy SEALs talk about this. Part of their, their training program, they have this line that says, always have a plan, but always prepare for adversity. Because adversity's coming. I bet you Joseph would have loved to have had that piece of advice. Because here's how his, his life turned. He started off with a dream. And then he got smacked with a detour. Actually, more than one. I'll give you the quick flyover. His first big detour was his brothers betrayed him. They finally got sick of him. They finally got sick of all the attention he was getting, his spoiled attitude. They were like, enough is enough. And so they actually conspired together, and they sold him into slavery. And they found some traders uh, coming through town, and they sold their brother for 20 shekels of silver. Today, that'd be worth about two tanks of gas. So clearly they didn't think he was worth very much, right? You say, well, wow, that's terrible. What an awful detour. Surely it couldn't get any worse than that. It gets worse than that. He hits another detour. Eventually, he's sold to a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar was captain of the guard in Pharaoh's army. It's kind of a big deal. He had a large estate. And Joseph goes to work for this man as a slave. And as Ben talked about last week, Potiphar's wife gets a little crush on Joseph. And she tries to seduce him. Now, thankfully, he's able to resist the temptation. But in doing so, she gets really angry and makes up a story about him to her husband. And as a result, Potiphar throws Joseph in prison. Now, history will teach us that Joseph would spend several years in that prison for a crime he never even committed. And you say, man, what could be worse than that? It gets worse. While he's in prison, he hits another detour. While he's in there, he shares his cell with a couple of cellmates. And because of just Joseph's abilities and his character, he's able to actually help one of his cellmates get released. And on the guy's way out, Joseph just says to him, hey, man, when you get on the other side, remember your boy. Right? Return the favor. Don't forget about me. Well, this guy gets out of jail, and he's so excited to have his freedom again that he forgets all about Joseph. And Joseph spends another two years in that prison. So just, in just a few chapters of Joseph's story, he is betrayed, he is accused, he is abandoned, and he is forgotten. That's a pretty rough journey. It's starting to sound like a country music song, right? So it makes me ask the question, though, what do detours look like today? 2022, what do our detours look like? What detours have you faced or what detours are you facing right now? I came up, came up with, a little, with a little list just to kind of give us some, some context. This isn't an exhaustive list by any means, but just to kind of wrap our minds around what are some of the things we face? I put these down and in alphabetical order, here we go. 
Things like addiction, bullying, cancer, divorce, eviction, fake news, grief, hate, infidelity, jealousy, kleptomaniacs, loneliness, money, neglect, overwhelm, pornography, quitting, restructuring, stress, temptations, unforgiveness, viruses, war, xenophobia, YouTube, and zombies. I couldn't think of anything else that started with a Z. Sorry. But think about it. There's some, there's some pretty big ones on that list, isn't there? Some of us in this room have faced some of those detours. Detours come in all shapes and sizes, and some of them can be pretty brutal, can't they? I know some of you know what I'm talking about. While I was preparing for this message over the last few weeks, my wife and I had a conversation about some of our detours. After 14 years of marriage, you can be certain we faced a few of them. And it didn't take us long to agree that probably the most painful detour we faced happened a couple years into our marriage. Uh, like a lot of young couples, we dreamed of having a family. And we had a vision of the future that was bigger than just the two of us. And so we were absolutely ecstatic one day to look down and see two little lines on the take-home test. Nowadays, that means you have COVID. But back then, it meant that you were pregnant. It meant that you were going to be a family. And so we made a really, really big deal out of it when we shared the news with our family and friends. We got everybody together. It was a huge celebration, tons of, of hugs and, and just so much joy and happiness. But then one day, something went wrong. We didn't know what it was. We just knew something's wrong. And so we called her mom. We called a couple of friends of ours and sort of talking through kind of what we were experiencing. And we heard a word that up until that point, we had never even considered before. The word miscarriage. We called our doctor and went in to see him and he confirmed our fears that we in fact were losing our baby. Two days later, we weren't pregnant anymore and our dream was done. And that hit us like a ton of bricks. Uh, it took a while for the kind of initial shock to wear off and for us to begin processing our grief. Uh, we felt pain. We felt the shame that often comes along with this experience. Uh, we kept asking questions like, why? Why did this happen? Why did this happen to us? Why did God allow this to happen? And I just want to say real quick, for any woman or any couple in here or watching online or over in Pewaukee, that's had to face this detour, we see you, and God sees you, and I am so sorry for your pain and so sorry for your loss. Eventually, uh, we felt like we had healed enough, and we were once again excited to see a positive pregnancy test. And so once again, we got all of our family and friends together, and we celebrated the news, and once again, we miscarried. And a couple months after that, we got pregnant again, and then we miscarried again. So our detour was losing three babies over about a two-year period. And we were pretty much shattered. See, there comes a part in every detour. There comes a moment when all hope is lost. And we were definitely at that place. And we really struggled to kind of to, to, to comprehend what happened. Right? Because sometimes detours are confusing. See, some detours, we know this, right? Some detours are because of our own sin or our own selfishness, right? The consequences of our actions. And some detours happen because of other people's sin and selfishness that affects us. 
And sometimes, some detours are God's divine direction, moving things in a supernatural way. But our detour wasn't any of those things. And that's when we realize that some detours are just because we live in a broken world. And God hasn't redeemed everything yet. But here is the most important thing that you're going to hear me say this morning. If you are in a detour or have been in detours, you might feel broken, you might feel afraid or overwhelmed or exhausted, but I can promise you this, you're not alone. You are not alone in whatever detour you face. Even our friend Joseph, who was betrayed and accused and abandoned and forgotten in a jail cell, even he wasn't alone. And we know that because of the one verse in his story that tells us so. This is the one verse that made all the difference for his story and affected the second half of his life. This is the one verse we want to look at today. Jot this one down. Genesis 39, 21. It just says this. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. In the middle of all that pain and abandonment and frustration and confusion, and when all hope was lost, alone in a prison cell, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. And doing the, the research for this message, I discovered something very interesting about this phrase, steadfast love. This same phrase appears again in Psalm 136. It's a really fascinating psalm. Also something worth reading this week if you want to jot this one down. Psalm 136 talks in detail about all of the trials and hardships and detours, for lack of a better term, that the Jewish people had to overcome over centuries, right? And guys, I'm talking big ones, like wars and genocide and slavery. And all throughout this psalm, the author of the psalm is talking about these hardships and then celebrates God's steadfast love that carried them through it. 26 times in 26 verses, we are reminded that God's steadfast love and his presence are what give us the strength and the hope to overcome anything that comes our way. And so if you forget everything else we talk about this morning, the one thing I want you to walk out of here remembering as far as detours go is this. Detours take us off the road, but never out of God's reach. Our detours we face, they take us off the road. We get that. But we are never, ever out of God's reach. And if you talk to my wife and I today about our detour, we would say those words are 100% true for us. We know God was with us the whole way. It didn't always feel like it. Okay? I'm going to be real honest. There were days it didn't feel like God was very close. But we learned along the way that facts aren't feelings. And feelings aren't facts. The fact is... There are several times in this book where God promises us that he will never leave us and never forsake us. And so we held on to that promise through the whole journey. And we can look back over those two years and we see dozens of little moments, little pieces of evidence that showed God was with us the whole way and showing us his love, including, including a Sunday morning in October 2012 when our son was born. And again, two years later, when our daughter was born. Now, I know that's, that's not everybody's story, but that's our story. But hear me when I say this. What is just as important, just as important and exciting as the birth of our two kids is the people that my wife and I became having gone through that process. If you talk to us today, we're different now. Our faith is different. Our relationship with God is different. 
Our perspective on things is it's just different. God carried us through that whole journey, and we are different today because of it. Detours take us off the road, but never, never, never out of God's reach. That's what's so powerful about this. And that's why it's so important to remember why we're defining a detour the way that we are. Because what is a detour? Remember, it's a change in our plans. We didn't plan for that. We, we didn't plan to go through two years of torment. It's a change in our plan that God uses, there's our word, to do what? To develop us. To develop our character and our competency so we can arrive at a better destination. That was our story. And that was Joseph's story too, right? God didn't leave or abandon Joseph in that prison cell to rot by himself. No, God had a plan, a vision for Joseph's life that honestly was bigger than Joseph's plan and vision for his life. God had a plan for Joseph's life, but he knew that in order for Joseph to get there, he was going to need to grow. He was going to need to develop. He was going to have to grow into it. And so that's why God uses our detours. So truly, every detour we face is a choice to grow or to groan. God can actually use our detours to make all of us into the people he wants us to be so that we can do the things he wants us to do. And so if, if, we, if we receive that, right, and we begin to see it that way, then all of a sudden, Joseph's story looks totally different, doesn't it? His experience in that prison cell is totally different because, see, on, on the one hand, Right, we see Joseph, and he's in prison, and he's probably cold and, and, and hungry and dirty and, 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 and sad. Right? It's, that is a sad story with no hope. But on the other hand, through this lens, through this filter, if we somehow you know, got, a, got a time machine and we're able to, to go back in time and look at our man Joseph, and we see him there in that prison cell, only we heard this song in the background... push-ups or something. I don't know. Doesn't that change things? Now, all of a sudden, we see him in prison. He's not being tortured. He's being trained. He's being trained to do something great. I think author C.S. Lewis probably nailed it on the head when he said this. Hardships, right, detours, hardship often prepares an ordinary person, like all of us, for an extraordinary destiny. And Joseph's destiny we would qualify as extraordinary, no doubt. But the point is, the point we want to remember today is that throughout that entire journey, God was with him. It actually took Joseph 13 years to go from the day he had his dream to the day he stepped into his destiny. 13 years. And God was with him every step of the way. And I do think it's important to realize, too, destiny wasn't the end of the movie, right? That's not retirement. Joseph's destiny was not sitting on a beach in Florida playing golf, right? That is not what he was doing. That was the day he stepped into his calling. That was the day he found his purpose. He gave a greater contribution to mankind in that season of his life than he ever had or he ever dreamed before. So destiny is the start of the second half of the story, not the end. And again, God's steadfast love is what cared for him and carried him that entire way. Detours take us off the road, but never, ever, ever out of God's reach. And so what do we do with this? What does this mean for all of us here in, in Pewaukee and watching online? Where do we go from here? I think if we go anywhere, the first thing we want to do is just to begin to believe and receive Genesis 39, 21 for our own lives. 
and through our own detours. That God is, in fact, with us. And he is, in fact, showing us his steadfast love. If we do that, I can promise you three things will change right away in our lives. First thing that will change is our perspective. We'll just, we'll just see things differently. I always love the story of the preschool teacher who, uh, who gave her classroom the assignment to draw a picture of whatever they wanted. Every child was given a blank sheet of paper and a bucket of markers and said, go for it, anything you want. So she's walking around the room and looking at the pictures and this little boy's drawing a dragon and this little girl's drawing a mermaid and this one over here is drawing a castle. And she gets to this one little girl and she can't quite make out what she's drawing. So she asks her, hey, that's, that's a beautiful drawing. Tell me about it. And the little girl says, well, I'm, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher, with, with a little bit of snark in her voice, says to her, well, but no one knows what God looks like. The little girl says, well, they will in a minute. <laughs> I love that. When your awareness of God's presence is so sharp, you could actually draw his face, I promise you, you'll see things differently. And you'll see detours differently. You'll see them differently than our culture sees them. You see, outside of these doors, our culture looks at detours, and they say things like, well, detours, detours are because of karma, right? You did bad things, and so bad things are happening to you. What goes around comes around. You say, well, I, I don't think that's true. Being a follower of Jesus, we reject the idea of karma completely because karma in and of itself, the root of karma is this idea that we can actually earn our salvation, and we can earn our good standing before God by doing good things. That's not what Jesus taught. That's not what we read in here. As followers of Jesus, we believe that our standing before our Heavenly Father is based solely on our relationship with Jesus Christ. And out of that relationship, we love others and we serve others because we're called to. Because that was the example that Jesus gave. And we're trying to follow him. Not because of what we're going to get for it, of how we're going to look, or how, how it benefits ourselves. So karma's out. Another way you'll see, think, you'll see detours differently is this. Our culture would say that detours prove that God doesn't exist. They'll say things like, well, if God was with you, you wouldn't be in this mess. But again, that's not what we see in Joseph's story. Right, we can look back at those 13 chapters over those 13 years and we say, well... If God wasn't with him, he wouldn't be growing. And I would say the same thing applies in our lives. The character that we develop and the people we become through our hardships, I believe, is what proves the existence of God, that he is present and alive and loves us. See, with God, there's always a pain in our purpose. And every detour we face is an opportunity to grow. That's healthy and godly perspective on detours. Second thing that'll change when we believe God is present and showing us his steadfast love is our attitude. We'll just, we'll just act differently. Have you ever noticed this? I thought this was fascinating. Have you ever noticed that tension, right? Tension is actually what creates the excitement in any story. Think about your favorite movies or the favorite books you've read or even some of our favorite songs. It's the tension in it that hooks us in and creates the excitement. Tension gets our attention and actually opens the door for God to start working. When we see things that way, a key change in our behavior happens. Our bitterness will turn into belief. Our bitterness turns into belief 
And if we stay on that course and keep growing in that direction, we can finally someday get to a place, and I know this is a stretch, it's a stretch for me too, but we can someday get to a place where we can actually welcome the detours that come into our lives. I came across this prayer, it's an old prayer, but I thought it perfectly fit this whole journey through detours that we're talking about. It's by Thomas Kempis, and it just says this. Imagine if we started our days praying something like this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. Instead, I open up to the love and presence of God and God's action within. Amen. That's a changed attitude. So once our perspective changes and our attitude changes, it would make sense that our language would follow suit. And our language would change. One word specifically. We'll stop asking why. Why is this happen? Why is this happening to me? Why does this always happen? Right? Listen, why is not a bad question. Right? It's not a bad question. It's just stuck in the present. It doesn't move us forward. It doesn't call us into the future. It's stuck in the now. So instead of asking why, we start asking how. Well, how is God using this? How is God working right now? How is God going to change me in this detour to become the kind of person that can make his way through it, right? We talk about don't die in the why, bow to the how. And a great tool for this, a great filter for this is something called the fruit of the spirit. And if your kid was in sports camp this week, they learned all about the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is a list of character qualities that describe how the life of a follower of Jesus can look when God gets a hold of us. Things like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me ask you, your life look like that? Mine either, right? I'm not there yet, but God's working on me a little bit every day. In each of these different areas, God's working on me. And so when we look at this list and we look at our detours, we begin to think, okay, what if every detour I face is an opportunity to grow in one of these areas? What if the next time you face a detour, you start thinking, hmm, I wonder if God is inviting me to love a little bit more or challenging my faith or testing me in patience, right? When we trade why for how, we open ourselves up for God to develop us in these areas so we can be ready for the next big opportunity he wants to send our way. That's where we find purpose in our detours. Now, we're going to get a chance next week to learn the end of Joseph's story. His dream does finally come true, only it's a different kind of dream. And it's way bigger than anything he ever, ever anticipated. Spoiler alert, it's awesome. You're going to want to be here next week to hear about it. But today I just wanted to wrap us up and share with you one last detour story. Because it kind of just brings the point home to where we go from here. You see, 16 centuries after Joseph's life, Jesus' small group of disciples faced the greatest detour of their entire lives. So they followed Jesus for three years, his three years of public ministry, and they saw him do incredible things, perform miracles. He raised a guy from the dead. They heard him teach things that would ultimately change the world. 
But then one day on a Friday afternoon, Jesus' disciples stood on a hill and they watched their friend and their teacher die on a cross. And for them, that really was the end of a dream. Their hope really was lost. It was over. But that was not the end of the story. God showed steadfast love. And he raised Jesus to life again three days later. And you understand, that moment in history is the cornerstone of our faith. And it changed everything, including that small group of people. They went from heartbroken and fearful to proclaiming the great news of Jesus being alive again. And it changed the world. We're here today because of this small group of people and the message that they carried. So hear me when I say this. We don't overcome our detours. We, we don't come out better on the other side of our detours because of our strength and our ability. We're able to overcome any detour that comes our way and come out better on the other side of it because the same power that raised Jesus to life again gives us new life and gives us the power and the strength to overcome anything that comes in our way. And that power and that strength is available to anybody. Anybody here? Anybody online, everybody in Pewaukee who's humble and willing to ask for forgiveness of their sin and to invite Jesus to be the Lord and leader of their lives. That's the invitation that changes everything. That's the key to getting through all of this. And so that's also the reason why we take a moment to have communion and share communion every week. It's to remember the sacrifice Jesus made and celebrate the, the power that gave him new life, gives us new life too. And so if you're watching at home online, grab some bread and some juice. If you're in our auditorium or in Pewaukee, we've got some at the, the tables in the back of the room. Here's how we're going to do things. In a moment, I'm going to say a prayer. And then after that, you're going to have a couple minutes to have communion and spend some time with God. And then after that, we're going to do things a little differently this morning. We're going to invite both of our bands back up, one here in Waukesha and one in Pewaukee. And our bands are going to play a couple of songs for you. And both these songs have been specifically chosen because they celebrate God's faithfulness through all of our detours. And then when the bands are done, our service is going to be done, but we're going to do the same thing this week that we did last week. And we're actually going to have people at both sides of our stage in both of our auditoriums available to pray with you. If you're going through a detour right now and you need some support, I invite you to come down to the sides of the stage after service and let us pray for you. Right now, though, as a church in multiple locations, all together here, Waukesha, Pewaukee, and online, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, God, beyond all words. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your power and your grace. But thank you mostly, God, that for centuries we've seen you be faithful to your sons and daughters here on earth. So God, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. We humbly come before you, God, to praise you. And God, it's because of your faithfulness through the centuries that we come before you and we ask you for help as we navigate the detours in our lives. Got some of us here, some of us watching online right now, we're going through some detours and they're, they're more annoying and more inconvenient. And I get that. But some of us, God, some of us are facing detours right now that are absolutely terrifying. So God, we come before you and we ask you for your love and your power and your grace to be evident again, to make miracles happen, to organize details, to change our hearts and our minds, to showcase, God, your power and your strength. God, we pray for your glory, you to be glorified 
by the characters that we develop, the people we become, having gone through our detours. We pray for this, God, in Jesus' name.